Uh, well, I want to take a break from our study in the Gospel of Mark for just today. And I want us to think about, uh, think about the Lord's Supper. You know, a lot of times when you do something repeatedly, do it many, many times, and many of us have taken the Lord's Supper probably hundreds of times over our Christian life, sometimes as you do something regularly, uh, it kind of loses its initial meaning. I know, you know, the first time you do something very, very special, it's very, very special. But if you do it again and again and again and again, sometimes it has a tendency to lose, even it lose its meaning. So I want us to think today, before we take the Lord's Supper a little bit later in the service, I want us to think about it. I want us to think about why we, why we do this. What we're going to do in a few minutes, we're going to have our deacons come up and toward the end of our service and and uh, we'll pass around to each of you a little piece of bread. You'll hold it in your hand, and then at an appropriate time, we'll say, uh, take and eat. This is my body, quoting Jesus. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then you'll eat that little piece of bread. And then the same manner, we'll pass around a cup, just a little tiny cup of, of uh, fruit of the vine, of juice, and We'll say the same thing after a prayer. We'll say, now take and drink, for this is the blood of my new covenant, and, uh, and you'll drink it. And that's a very simple uh, uh, but very, very meaningful experience. So I want us to think about that today. I want to read to you a passage out of First Corinthians uh, chapter, well, I just... just deleted my reference. Uh, I think it's chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. See if that's right, Brad. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's it, 11, 17. And Paul says to the Corinthians, by the way, the Corinthian church was a bunch of uh, converts who had been converted out of absolutely the most ranked paganism and uh you know when we get saved we don't become perfect do we uh i've been working on it for 54 years now i hadn't made it yet and uh but when we get saved we usually bring a lot of the baggage of our old life into it and so these corinthians they were a mess and uh they fought and they struggled and they sinned and they just they were a mess. And you'd think uh, uh, they were taking each other to law courts, and they were one, one man uh, had even, was even committing immorality with his, well, probably his stepmother. It just, uh, it's a mess. I tell you, you read the book of 1 Corinthians, and you think, good gracious, these people were absolutely terrible. And yet Paul calls them saints. He says that you're believers. You've trusted Jesus. He's forgiven you of all your sins, and, and, and you're still a mess. But you're a forgiven mess, and you are a mess in process. And that's what we are. All of us are messes in process. God is working in us to try to teach us and help us. And uh, we make a little progress along, and then sometimes we'll 
step on a banana peel, spiritually speaking, and we'll slip back a little ways. And the Bible says that even though a righteous man falls seven times just endlessly, God will still pick him up. God's not, God's not going to give up on you. Isn't that good news? I'll tell you what, it's just great news is that God has been working in my life for almost 55 years now, and he has a goal, he has a purpose, he has a plan, and that plan is to shape me and conform me in my character and in my life to the exact full image of Jesus Christ. He's wanting to make me just like Jesus. And uh, he's been working on that for a long time, and he's, he's done some of it. I mean, I... I can see and some of the people in my life can see and say, you know, every once in a while I see Jesus in you, you know. But uh, there are a few other times that people say, well, I, I still see some Nick in you too, you know. And, uh, and what God is doing, he's working to get rid of the Nick and just completely form Jesus. And he's going to do it. He said in Philippians 1, 6 or 7, he that started a good work in you is going to complete it. He will do it. Now, I can't do it. I mean, I can cooperate, and I do cooperate, try to cooperate, but I'm, I can't do it myself. I can't make myself like Jesus. But he can, and he is, and he will. And I praise him for it. Well, these Corinthians, they, they had a lot of struggles. But one of the problems they had was when Paul had taught them about the Lord's Supper. He taught them that when you come together, you're going you're gonna to do what Jesus told us to do on the night that he met with his disciples and that last Passover that he had with his disciples. He took some bread and, and, and he took a, a cup of of juice wine or juice people say well what was it was it wine or juice i don't know jesus said it was the fruit of the vine that's what he called it the fruit of the vine he said i will not drink of this fruit of the vine well welch's is fruit of the vine isn't it so we're gonna say that jesus had grape juice at uh, the last supper i don't know whether he did or not it may have been wine but I don't drink wine. So uh, uh, if we had real wine in there, I'd, I'd have to compromise some of my promises to God. So I'm glad we have grape juice. But it doesn't matter. You know, I, uh, it could be it could be a grape drink as far as I'm concerned, be a grapeette or whatever. What, what's a Shasta or whatever, you know. Because it's not what it is, it's what it represents. And Jesus gathered with his disciples on that night. And, and uh, this was the holiest day, one of the holiest days in the Jewish year. It was the day they celebrated the Passover. It was the day they celebrated the victory and the deliverance and the covenant agreement that God made with Israel when he brought them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and he delivered them through the blood of an innocent lamb. And he said, everyone who takes this little lamb and kills it and takes the blood of that lamb and 
puts it on their doorpost and on the lintel of the door. Everyone who does that, then when the death angel passes over, he will bypass you and you will be saved by the blood of a lamb. And so Jesus is gathering his disciples together and he said, all of you remember that agreement. All of you remember that covenant that God made with our ancient fathers on that particular day. And they all say, yes, yes, I do. He said, well, I want you to know tonight I am establishing another covenant through the blood of another lamb. And I'm that lamb. And I'm going to die. And when my blood is poured out, every one of you who applies by faith that blood, that sacrifice, that death in your behalf, then I want you to know you will also be rescued. You will be saved. You will be delivered. And you will become my new people. And so he takes this bread and he breaks it and he gives it to his disciples and he says, now take it, eat it. This is, this bread is my body. It's a symbol, it's representing my body, which in just a few short hours is going to be nailed to a cross and it's going to be broken for you. And they took it and they ate it, not fully understanding, surely. And then he said, now take this cup, this red juice that's in this cup represents my own blood. And he said, just like God made a covenant with Israel through a blood sacrifice, this represents the blood of a new covenant. And so he said, take it and drink it. And when you drink it, remember. Remember what I'm telling you. Remember what I'm establishing. Remember me when you drink this cup. And then after he died and was buried, and after he rose again, he instructed the church and his disciples instructed the church that when they come together on some kind of regular basis to eat this bread, to drink of this cup, and to do it remembering the covenant that Jesus made. So here's the text. Paul writing to the Corinthians who just, they had so abused the Lord's Supper. They got, they were making the Lord's Supper a church supper. And they were coming to church and they would try to get there early and the, they'd try to eat up the best stuff and everything like that. It was just weird. And so Paul, in writing to them, he's going to scold them a little bit. Then he's going to instruct them. And he says, that passage that Brad's putting on the screen. Now, in giving these instructions, I don't praise you. 
since you come together not for better but for the worse. He said, you're doing it all wrong. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe, because that was one of the problems in the Corinthian church. They were bickering and fighting and splitting up into groups, all this kind of stuff. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place... It is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, you're coming together. You're, you're not coming to take the Lord's Supper. And he calls it the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one of you takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. He said, you're all coming together. And some of you are drinking all the wine. And others of you get there a little late. And, and they don't get anything. Good gracious. How'd you like to belong to that church? There's a church in Corinth, Mississippi called the Corinthian Baptist Church. I think I'd change my name. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say? Shall I praise you in this? No, I don't praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. I've told you how to do this. That the night that the Lord Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. So every time we do this, we're, we're saying Jesus died for us. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, that's the, the text. And here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to uh, uh, I want us to think about, of course, I've already talked about the historical origin of the Lord's Supper. And who is it that participates? You know, a lot of churches, you know, it just amazes me. People will, will invent stuff to fight about, won't they? Christians, Christians will invent something to disagree about. I... I there are churches back in Tennessee, they're probably here in Texas too, that unless you're a member, a baptized member of that local church, you're not allowed to take the Lord's Supper in that church. We have some friends, in fact, I think this was in Arkansas or Missouri, 
They were, and, and they'd gone to visit, and they were taking the Lord's Supper that night, and the pastor said, how many of you are not members of this church? Well, there were several there that held up their hand, including these friends of ours held up their hand, and he said, well, you may now leave. And they were so offended. They were so insulted. That I'm being kicked out of church because he said, we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper, and if you're not a member of this church, you can't participate. Now, I don't even know exactly where they get that. But here's what, here is the truth. The Lord's Supper is for believers. It's for people who have put their trust in the death of Jesus for their sin. It's for covenant people. It's for people who by the blood of Jesus have received and entered into the new covenant and believe that Jesus has washed their sins away and that they are now clean in his eyes. And it's supposed to be when we're gathered together. Now, there have been times, there have been times that I have served the Lord's Supper to people in a nursing home. There have been times that I've served the Lord's Supper with people who are shut in and who may be about to die. They're not able to come to church. And I believe that's perfectly fine. But as a general rule, the way it's supposed to be done is in the gathered community of God's people. He says like six different times in that passage we read, when you come together, when you come together. And that's what we've done here today. We have come together. So it's a public act of worship. It's a way in which we join our hearts together and by this symbolic manner, we say, Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you were willing to die on a cross in order that our sins could be cleansed and we could be forgiven. So, the physical act is just eating a piece of bread, drinking a cup. But what is the mental action? What are we supposed to be doing when we do that? It's easy for us to let our mind wander, isn't it? But this cup, this bread, is supposed to kind of draw our focus to a memory. It's to a memory. He said, when you do this, do this and remember. Remember me. So that's the purpose of it. It's, it's to pull our mind away from all the other stuff that begs for our attention and to focus it on a cross and to see in the moment that we eat that bread and drink that cup, we see the body of Jesus beaten, nailed, stabbed, thorn pierced. That's what we remember. And then when we drink the cup, it's to remember the blood that flowed from his head and from his hands and from his feet and from his back and from his side and 
whole body just covered in blood. And knowing that all through the Bible, this truth is the life of the flesh is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there's no remission of sins. And if the blood of bulls and goats and rams and lambs could push the judgment forward, how much more the precious blood of the sinless, spotless Lamb of God take away, take away our sin. When John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River, the Bible says that Jesus came walking toward him and John the Baptist stopped and pointed to Jesus and said, Look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we, we think, we use our mind, we remember Jesus dying for us. That's the mental action, but what about the spiritual action? The spiritual action is that we are to realize, not just remember his death, burial, and resurrection, but we are to realize that we are participants, participants in his covenant. The covenant of his blood is, brings us into the covenant of all of his promises. So whatever I need, whether it is strength to resist temptation, whether it's peace, the peace of God, whether it's forgiveness for an enemy, whether it is uh, hope for the future, whatever I need. It's all in that covenant. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. And so, while I'm remembering his physical death, I'm actually participating in that blessing, the blessings that come. Listen listen to this passage in... Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16, 17, and 18. Get this word, participation. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? And that word communion is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. Can you say that? Koinonia. It's the, sometimes it's the word that's translated fellowship. It means that which we have in common. The, the kind of Greek that the New Testament was written in was called Koine Greek. which means it was the common language of the people. And so koinonia means that which binds us together in common. That's why it's called communion. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the participation, the union, the communion of the blood of Christ? 
And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake. By the way, that's the word koine again there. We all partake of that one bread. And then verse 18, observe Israel after the flesh. Are they are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? When they offered a sacrifice and they ate of that sacrifice, he says they are partakers of that altar and what was dedicated on that altar. It's a little complicated maybe, but it's the idea is when we eat this bread, when we drink this cup, we are actually saying, I am in union, communion, participation with what Jesus established and accomplished on the cross. And what did he accomplish? He accomplished establishing a new covenant, a new agreement. A covenant in which he says, my blood, my death on this cross brings into union with me all those who by faith will trust me. His part has already been fully established. Your part is to believe. My part is to believe. And what do I believe? I believe that when I see Jesus hanging on the cross, that if I were there with him, if I were standing at the foot of that cross, John, if you'd been standing right there at the foot of the cross and looking up at Jesus, you might have said, why? Why are you doing this? You're God. You could blink your eyes and turn this whole place into a desert. You could cause every one of your enemies to drop dead with a thought. Why are you letting them nail you to a cross? And he would have looked right into your eyes. And he would have said, I'm doing this for you. I mean, this cross is actually your cross. You deserve to be here but I'm taking your place. You say, but, but why? What have I done? He say, you haven't done anything except sin. I'm not dying with, for you because you're good. I'm dying for you because you're bad. I'm not dying for you because you love me. I'm dying for you because I love you. Trust me. Believe me. Love me. And that's how he captured my heart. Fifty-something years ago, when I beheld him in my heart and mind on the cross, I said, I love you. Because he first loved me. And when we take this bread and take this cup, 
It's our way of saying, I believe you did this for me. And I love you. I worship you. I trust you. And I take this into my body as a symbolic means of saying, I've taken Christ into my body. And I have become his body as this food becomes part of my body. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have established ordinances that remind us of what you did for us, what we needed to be done for us that we could never do for ourselves. I thank you that you have provided this visible and physical means that our hands can touch and our lips can taste as a way of reminding us of the spiritual truth that your love for us, your death for us, and your resurrection has brought us into a covenant agreement that make us one with you. And I pray that our faith will be genuine and focused on you today. In Jesus' name. you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.